Leila Janti. And I'm Marcus Azati. And this is Passport Necessary, a podcast dedicated to growing up as TCKs and how it's affecting us now that we are adults. And today Mm -hmm. we are going to be talking about a topic that we broached, I think it was our third episode ever. Uh, We are revisiting identity, um, Uh. which is a huge and vast topic. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I think one of the first things I wanted to talk about was that I, so I come from two completely different nationalities. I actually have two passports. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm French American. And I think that's always been a dichotomy that's been kind of weird for me uh, because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I was born in the U.S., so that's technically my mother country, but I also technically come from France. I have a father who's French, but I always felt like I never really fit in when I went to France. And even when I lived there, it really felt like I didn't fit in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose it's a difficult one because French culture is actually very different from sort of American culture. It's one of those funny things like, because certainly in Britain, there's this idea that the Americans are very similar to the British, but they're not. Like, culturally, they're very, very different. Oh, they're totally somehow, different. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. And it's really strange. But I mean, but I suppose well, you can speak French, so it's not that much of a difference, I suppose. But the thing is, is that French, France has a very different history to the United States. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, th- there's such a, a depth and of culture and history that, let's be honest, mm. the United States is a very young country in comparison to, I, I mean, a lot of places in the world. And so yeah. it's interesting because I, I come from the U.S., which isn't as old, but it feels like it's very vast and it's very diverse and has this huge mm-hmm. um, change and difference depending on where you are in the U.S. And I... Th- think it's similar in France, but you have, I also have to consider that France is so much smaller than the U.S. And so it's a lot yes. easier for the culture of France to be a little bit closer. Yeah. So a bit more homogeneous. A little bit. It's still vastly different. Like Northern France is mm-hmm. very different from Southern France. Um, the pacing yes. of the way people live is different. The food is different. Like food in Northern France is rich and creamy and buttery because Mm -hmm. they have a lot of cows so if you have access to cows you're gonna cook with butter (laughs) yeah definitely and then the south of france they're so close to like italy spain and so oil like that like um olive oil is used in a lot of cooking and there's actually quite a lot of similarities to both italy and spain and in cooking style and sometimes even in accent um yes yes and so it's just so interesting to see how even that small of a country has kind of wide ranging differences. But I think in general, I never felt super connected to my French side. I feel like mm-hmm. I've always feel quite proud when I say I am half French. Like there are a lot of things that mm-hmm. I feel quite proud of. I mean, same thing sometimes with being American. I'll say like, oh yeah, I'm American. And I I feel good about that. But yeah. It doesn't mean that I'm like, I love it no matter what. Like, I still see a lot oh, yeah, of, no. I, I can be very critical of both of my sides that I come from because I think I've yeah. lived in both. Yeah, that makes sense. I, it's a difficult thing is, is that, you know, just because you are from a country doesn't mean that, you know, doesn't mean that you can't feel good about it at, for certain things to do with the culture and all that sort of stuff. I mean, of course, there'll always be things that in the country that you don't like. I mean, that's true of anywhere. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. It's not... It's not one or the other. It's like 
loads of different sort of like shades of grey in between what you're going to be thinking about. It's not black and white. Mm-hmm. That's that's the kind of thing is, is that, you know, you need to be able to criticise things, otherwise things don't get better. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that's also one of the questions that I always got asked when people would find out that I was half French, half American. They would say, oh, which do you prefer more? I was like, mm. that it never made sense to me, that question, because it was yeah. like, I grew up with both. Like, I, my father mm. is French, and we spoke French at home, but we also spoke English. And it just didn't make yeah. sense to me to have a preferred side because I was both. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. It's sort of like, what do you prefer, your left hand or your right hand? It's like, well, I'd rather have both. <laughs> exactly. You know, this is like... <laughs> It, it, it's, it's an odd question. It is. It, and it's a question that I think TCKs who do come from multiple nationalities do get asked. And it's a question mm. that is always like, I think people from only one nationality don't understand how weird of a question that is because they think that there's maybe one that is a preferred because of stereotypes yeah. that may, they may have of the countries. And I think yeah, once you step back and understand that like this person this is all they know. Like, this is what they grew up in. These are the cultures that they were raised with. There isn't necessarily a preferred. There's just, that's how they are. That's what they yeah. had. Yeah, it's 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 more of a matter of fact than it is a sort of preference thing. It's like, that's just how it is. It's just, mm-hmm. that's, that's the reality that exists. It's not a question of one's better than the other or one's preferable to the other. It's just, they're different. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it's it's funny because it's like, because I get asked, is it, oh, which do you prefer, Japan or the UK? And it's like, well, you can't really make the comparison. It's kind of like you know, comparing apples and pears, you know, like or apples and oranges. You know, it's just like what one is one thing and one is the other thing. Mm-hmm. There are things that you prefer about one culture to the things you prefer about another one. It's not that one is better or superior in any way. Mm-hmm. It's just it's strange because they they become sort of ingrained in you. So it's sort of an odd thing to sort of have somebody going, oh, well, it must, because you're here, you must prefer it here, or because you went there, you must have preferred it there. It's kind of, mm, it's not really how it is. Life doesn't work like that necessarily. Yeah. And I mean, I know for me, one of the things I had a really hard time with was when I was living in France, I still, I was definitely more othered when I was living in France than I was in the States. Mm-hmm. I pass a lot easier as an American because of the mm-hmm. culture, because of the way the U.S. is, it's yeah. a lot easier to just pass as an American because so many Americans have different accents. They come from different regions. They don't always, they're not always born in America, but they become American. Whereas in France, like yeah. most French people sound French. <laughs> they, <laughs> they sound like they've lived in France their whole life or they yeah, yeah. lived in countries that are related to France. Like, it's a little bit harder to pass if you haven't lived there your whole life. And I think that was always Mm -hmm. something that kind of was difficult sometimes where people would be like, Oh, you have an American accent when I would speak French. I was like, okay, maybe I do, but you can understand what I'm saying. So why does it matter if I have an accent? You can still talk to me. That always drove me nuts. That's the thing is, is that here, the funny thing is, is that I think, Weirdly, I think my accent has been kind of a bit more of a hindrance than a help in some ways, because the problem is, is that there'll be things that people here just take for granted. And I go, well, that has nothing to do with anything that I know about because I didn't grow up here. And they're like, oh, 
So that you have you have the you have the sound of being the person that should know. It's like I don't know. It's as if an alien species looked exactly like us, and you put this put them right in society and they just didn't function in the same way and wondered why everything was like it was and you were just going I don't understand how you can not understand this it's like well because I don't come from here mm-hmm. but you sound and look exactly like us it's like it doesn't matter <laughs> it doesn't matter what I sound and look like there's something else going on inside that's a bit different mm-hmm. yeah exactly and it's it's not for lack of trying it's not for not wanting to no. fit in it's just like we just don't have that context Exactly. And and it's a funny one. It's just like, I mean, people have to make assumptions about who they're dealing with at most times. So you, you kind of make an assumption that there will be a sort of connection in some way, like with somebody else that, you know, they'll understand what you're talking about. But I tend to find that the stuff that I will tend to reference in conversation is stuff that other people will not reference. <laughs> you know, you might make it, you might make a reference to Monty Python and that's the right one. It's like, nobody's, you find the odd person who understands that or you make a reference to some other kind of comedy thing and the people don't... I don't know. I think I actively seek out stuff, whereas I think people... Sometimes if you're within the culture, there are things that are just around all the time that you have as reference points, whereas maybe because they're so culturally specific to the country, it's not... The comedy doesn't work because it's not funny to the person that's from the outside because it's like, well, this is too too culture-specific for me to understand. Mm-hmm. I think Eddie Izzard actually talked about that once, where he was like, there mm. are certain jokes that just don't work in other countries because they yeah. either the word isn't funny or the like context around the joke doesn't make sense in another culture. Mm. Um, I remember him talking about that, and it was a really, really good um, discussion that he had. <laughs> but I think for, for me, what's so interesting is that I... Um, I remember having a moment where I realized that I was not like I'm French and I speak French and I understand French, but I definitely am not like a young French person. I have mm-hmm. the vocabulary and like the reference points of someone who's a lot older because I grew up with my father. Like he was the main right, yeah, like yeah, yeah. connection I had to my French culture because I tried watching a TV show that was on Netflix and they had a version that was set in mm-hmm. France. Everyone was French. And I actually really had to have the subtitles on because they were <laughs> using like vocabulary and slang that like did not make sense to me. And mm-hmm. I was just so surprised by it. I was like watching, I was like, I know they're speaking French. I understand half of what they're saying. And actually the only two people that I understood the best were like these little old French grandmothers who were on the show. <laughs> and I was like, that's so yeah. sad of me that the only people I can understand are the older French people. And I cannot understand <laughs> the young ones because they were they were using words that I had never heard of before. I just didn't even know the context of what they were saying. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I like for me, like certainly from a musical perspective, the things that you obviously are shown by your parents, the things that probably existed, maybe up until, let's say up until the nineties, like they was, you know, they're still in the thirties and stuff like that. So into the nineties, there's stuff that's coming out that was really, really good. There was really good music coming out of the UK in the nineties. So I have a reference point to that. But then after the nineties into the two thousands, like a lot of the stuff that, um, it kind of, I kind of like, it, it kind of like, I never really was in touch with sort of what British people would be in touch with anymore after that. Mm-hmm. And so my, I think my musical reference points are a bit different. And so even as I'm getting older and stuff like that, like as I continue to learn more about music, my my interests have shifted off sort of into sort of like realms where people kind of go, 
that's just stuff I have never heard of. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, because I've become more specifically interested in specific things. And I think it's the same for like my youngest brother talking about film. Like people say, oh, have you seen this film? I was like, no, not seen that film. Mm-hmm. Um, but there will be films that I've seen that other people go, no, I've not seen that one. <laughs> what are you talking about? That just sounds like a really strange film. I was like, yeah, it is, but it's quite good. It's, I don't know, it's being outside the culture also means that you could kind of like cherry pick a little bit more, I think. Mm-hmm. In a way, even uh, but it might be because you just don't have all the wider cultural references. So you find the things where you kind of go, I can hold on to that because I understand the references and I understand where it comes from. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to start from the beginning and work forwards rather than just being in the culture at the time and kind of going, oh, yeah, but this is what we do. Yeah, it's very hard to just plop yourself in. Although I will say mm. that I have found when it comes to like learning language and trying to understand doing a crash course, the best way of doing mm. it is just going to the country. Like I have, I have friends who like struggled their entire like high school career trying to learn a language or they really wanted to go somewhere and they learned the basics as much as they could. I was like, you're going to learn so much once you get there. Like once you're in that country and you're forced to rely on the language, otherwise you don't know how to survive. That's the way that you learn because it's, it's kicking, you're kicking in your survival instincts. And it's like, I need to learn quickly. I need to figure out everything I need to know as fast as possible. And you pick up a lot more because you have to use it when you're in your mother country, trying to learn something new, whether it's culture or language, if you're not constantly exposed to something, it's harder for your brain to take it in. Yeah. So that's why it's like immersion experience in a different culture it really works that's why students who go overseas and they stay in a country for a couple months or a year they get much better at that language and understanding that culture because they're intertwined you need to understand the culture to better understand the language and vice versa yeah i mean the thing is that maybe the closest that some people get because not everybody travels but maybe the closest that some people get to seeing a culture that they don't understand is looking back at the history of their own country. Because mm. the culture has drastically changed. So the only way that you can understand... I mean, you can understand where it comes from, but that you, you know, if you were to put somebody from, I don't know, Britain now back into the 1910s, they probably wouldn't have a very good time of it because you know, the language <laughs> would be the same pretty much, but they'd be going like, I have no idea what these people are talking about. I have no idea what... Um, you know, it's just... But even even language might much. be different. Even That's language true, might be different, different because of the context of what you're living in, what you're dealing with day to day. Like the technology that we deal with, that's a whole other language that has been created that yes, didn't exist true. like 20, even 10 years ago, some of this language didn't exist. No, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it rapidly changes with the technology. I mean, that's the thing is the technology changes recently are so drastic. And that's why I think maybe why so many people get worried about their identity because the changes are so... I think, I think a lot of people, like just because as human beings, we do rely a little bit on external factors to kind of help us understand who we are and where we fit into society. Mm-hmm. So as a society rapidly changes, you've rapidly got to reassess where you sit within the society. Mm-hmm. And that can be really difficult for some people. And that might be why we've had so many political problems recently, is because the change, of, it's not that change is necessarily bad, but the pace of change is so fast that it's almost as if people are becoming sort of, like it's as, we talk about people as if after the age of 25 they are no longer relevant it's a strange thing like i think certainly more in western societies a lot of focus more and more on the idea of 
the young as being important and being the drivers of culture and all that sort of stuff. And there are a lot of people who are. But the thing is, it doesn't really work like that. And so the focus is a lot on sort of like, oh, the phones and the technology and all that sort of stuff. Because they are the, they, they tend to be the biggest consumers of this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But I think as you get older, you suddenly realise that really, you know what? That time period in life is actually just just the beginning. And I think we're in the West really focused on that for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know. I think there might be part of it is that people are really afraid of, you know, aging too quickly or losing mm. touch with their youth. And so they keep trying to stay yeah. young. I mean, look at all the beauty products that are created to try and keep people oh, young God, and yeah. keep people fit. I mean, that was something that was huge in Japan. The amount of like oh, yeah. BB creams and moisturizers and all these things that were like marketed to women to keep them young. Now, granted, yeah. Japanese women look flawless. Like most Japanese women have this <laughs> amazing skin but at the same time like I don't know why there's such a fear of getting old I mean personally I feel like I'm happier now that I'm older because I understand myself better and how like what I want how I want to get around things how I want to like interact with people I feel like I've Mm -hmm. learned that more as an like growing up than when I was younger I actually felt like yeah I had maybe more fun when I was younger, but I didn't feel Mm. like I was necessarily like driven to do things. Whereas now that I'm older, I may not be having as much like fun, but I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm actually like, I have a purpose. I feel like I'm working towards something that's important to me and my life and my partner and the people surrounding me. Yes, I think that's the thing is, is that, you know, it's difficult to find purpose in your life. I think it's, it's and that's the thing is, is that being fulfilled is actually a much, I think, much more important than, in a certain sense, having fun. Mm. And it's, I think it's a weird one is this idea that somehow fun is the most important thing. And it's like, it depends on what you define as having fun, doesn't it? There is that as well, because, I mean, you can define it, you can define it however you like, because it depends on the person. But, I mean, there are just some things, it's like, it's not a lot of fun to constantly be wondering what you're doing and who you are to an extent. That's not a lot of fun. No, it's so draining trying to figure Mm. out your own identity. And I I think that might be why TCKs in general tend to feel very stressed and feel very like run down is that we're constantly Mm. juggling with so many different identities that are either our own or learned or from other cultures Mm -hmm. and then trying to take all this information of what we've learned in so many places and then trying to figure out, okay, well, what is me? Who am I? And like, what drives me as a person? And I think some, some TCKs get very lucky and because Mm. of their travel, because of their experiences, that's what gives them their sense of purpose and their identity. But I think for some other TCKs, it's just too much and too overwhelming. And that's when they start to feel lost. Yeah, and and it, and it can be quite easy to I think for some people to fall into that category, the second one, because life's pretty complicated. And if you don't, the problem is, is that if you do find yourself in the country that you your parents came from and you're back there, you are dealing with a load of assumptions that people are making that you should be able to function in that society in the same the same way as your parents did. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, no, why would you? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing is, is it. Because the expectation that you should be able to function is there, 
it's much more difficult for people to understand why you're finding it difficult to function. Mm-hmm. And that can actually be more damaging because you th- I think for me, certainly, like I d- there was a sense that I should be able to function easily. And I think, I was kind of thinking, well, why would I be able to? Because I think it was when I came to the UK, it was just after the financial crash and all that sort of stuff. So the jobs weren't very easy to find. No particular experience within any of the industries that I was going to have to go into to get work and all that kind of thing. So finding work was difficult and all that sort of stuff right at that time. And it's really difficult. And it, take, and it can take a long time to sort of like get yourself into a position where you understand where you, not where you fit, but how you can function within the society. Because mm-hmm. first you have to find a way of functioning. Then it becomes a point of like, right, now I can find out where my niche is. Yeah. And that can take a long time. Yeah. And I think what's also hard is that depending on the community that you end up in, sometimes it can be very mm. close knit. I mean, I know for myself, when I um, went from New York to Buffalo, where I live now, a lot of people in Buffalo, they all know each other. They went to Mm -hmm. similar high schools or they went to the same college or their families know each other. However, it may be people in some way, shape or form, they either know each other directly or they know someone who knows someone. And so for myself coming in as a total outsider, like I had no one, no family in Buffalo. I myself Mm -hmm. didn't come from Buffalo. I had didn't have any association with the city whatsoever. So coming into it Mm. completely fresh, that was actually quite hard where it was this expectation of, well, it seems like you're from here. And then I would tell my story and people were like, oh, you're an outsider. Well, we don't know how Mm. you're connected to us. So we have no interest in connecting with you. I was like, Mm. how do you like, how do you want to grow your community and make your community bigger and better if you immediately reject or unwilling to try to interact with outsiders? That was just, Mm. it was a hard moment for me because I had just come from New York where everyone's an outsider. There are very few New Yorkers who are from New York. (laughs) So you have this, this interaction where, because everyone's an outsider, no one is. Whereas, yeah. In Buffalo, everyone's an insider. So whenever you get an outsider, it's like, who's that person? Why are they here? What do they want? Mm -hmm. It's like, maybe I just want to live here. Chill out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's funny like that because you do get that. York's quite a small town. I mean, people call it a city, but I mean, it's it's 200,000 people. Mm -hmm. That's how big it is. And you do sort of, there are points where you just kind of go, yeah, this is really... um, it does feel a bit parochial at times. I mean, it's a big tourist city, mm-hmm. so you do get outsiders all the time. But there are there are things about it that you just you know they they um, there's a small area of York called Acom. So I'm assuming I assume it used to be a sort of like a satellite village that's just grown, and then York and the two have grown together. So you've got these little areas around that are like that, and people always sort of in York sort of who live in the centre who go, oh, Acom's really rough. Acom's really rough, and you wander around it, and it's just a leafy suburb, really. <laughs> And people talk about it as if it's like hell hole, like it's hell on earth. And he's going, it isn't. People like, you know, so you get you get people from Manchester coming in to go to the unis here. And I always jokingly ask them, as like, do you ever get York, whenever you tell people you're from Manchester, you get people from York looking at you like you're going to beat them up or something. <laughs> oh my God, he's from Manchester. <laughs> what are we going to do? They're going to kill us. <laughs> It, and there is that kind of thing. You're just like, oh, God, you know, so all these people are really rough from all over the seas. You know, and you do sometimes get the odd York person as well who tries to act really tough and he's kind of going, mate, I, you know, in Japan, I was growing up in cities that were many, many times the size of this one. So if you want to act like a hard person, you know, 
don't, because you're not convincing. <laughs> He's going, like, you know, the, the, it, it's a real thing. They do this here, and you just kind of go... And I think that's the thing is, is that certainly in Japan, the thing is that nobody would dare to speak like that to anybody because it would just be considered that is just so beyond the pale. Mm-hmm. You would just be ostracized because it's such bad behavior. Whereas in Britain, it isn't considered bad behavior. It's considered normal, mm-hmm. oddly. And that's kind of strange. I mean, not totally normal, but I mean, there are groups, you come across people quite regularly who are sort of like, yeah, I can handle myself. I'm tough and all that sort of stuff. And you're kind of like, you're not really convincing me. Yeah, if you, keep you claiming, are, if you keep claiming you're tough, I don't know how tough you actually are. Yeah. It's it, like a peacock. A you're thing. overstating it. Exactly. <laughs> and it's a funny thing, but again, that's a kind of a strange sort of identity thing that happens in the UK is that, that sort of, um, that aggression, mm. which I find odd. I don't know how much it happens in the US. I don't know how much it happens elsewhere. Oh, in males? Um, a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Men men in the US have this very strange this very strange relationship with aggression where it's almost like okay. There is a societal like oh mm-hmm. men can get angry. Men men can be aggressive. And it's right. very strange where I personally don't find it attractive. I don't find it okay. I find it very toxic where instead of, I don't know, going to talk to a therapist or understanding why are you angry and not taking it out on others, there is almost this okay from society where, well, he's a man, so he can be aggressive. And it's like, I don't think that's okay. I think that's actually no. really bad for the people around them to just have a person who just suddenly gets aggressive. Like you should yeah, probably I mean, go talk to a person whose medical field is helping you understand and process <laughs> your aggression. I mean, it's the thing is, is it can be difficult. I mean, there are sometimes you do sometimes get angry with people and things like that, but there are ways to channel. I mean, there's no, there's nothing wrong with necessarily being angry as such. If you're angry for a good reason, it's what you do when you get angry. Mm-hmm. I mean, you do have to be careful about being angry as well. Just just because you're angry with someone, it doesn't mean that they've done anything wrong. Yeah. You know, they could have just told you, you didn't handle that very well. <laughs> Probably could have handled that a bit better. <laughs> and if you get angry with them for doing that, you'd kind of like, okay, then this is just like, you know. That's just your, your issue. But yeah, no, I find yeah. that in the States, in general, I find men to tend more aggressive and to lean mm-hmm. far more aggressive than... I mean, definitely not in Japan, at least not externally, not in public. Like it was about being in control of your emotions. And Mm -hmm. I mean, it was also to an unhealthy point where the Japanese in general um, are taught to restrict their emotions and to really push them down, um, Mm -hmm. which can also have a lot of negative effects, especially when it comes to mental health and it's not really spoken Mm -hmm. about. There is a very strong taboo against that. But I mean, in the States where it's the complete opposite and people are completely emotional, there's also a taboo when it comes to mental health disorders and and going to talk to therapists and that kind of thing. So, yeah, clearly neither culture has found the perfect way of dealing with it, but both of them don't like mental health. (laughs) (laughs) No, I think it's a funny one, though, like, I think people do care about mental health, but I th- in the certain sense of their own, like in their own lives to an extent. But I think very few resources are given over to people to actually do anything with it. Because mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of things that 
there are a lot of conditions that people have that possibly could be solved by doing some pretty basic things. And again, it goes back to the technology. And I suppose that, again, maybe part of the reason why identity in a certain sense becomes important, because if, if the technology is changing really fast and you're trying to find your identity within that context, the phone on Facebook telling you what to do every day is not really going to help because you, you'll be getting tons of conflicting information which doesn't help you process what you're thinking. Mm-hmm. And you'll be told contradictory things by groups of people telling you, ah, well, this is the best way to live your best life. And you're kind of going, oh, okay. And then you're sitting there kind of going, yeah, but I'm not enjoying myself. Yeah. Like, and it's like, oh, but you're going to live your best life. It's like, what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. It's a totally vacuous, meaningless phrase. What does it mean? It is. And then also on top of that, what's unfortunately coded into that is that it's physical. So when people say like, oh, we're mm. trying to help you live your best life, a lot of it has to do with like physical stuff and specifically physical appearance. Yeah. And a lot of that gets mm. tied to the beauty standards of each culture. So beauty standards of Japan yes. are very different from the beauty standards of the US, UK, mm. France. Like they're all very different. And I think- yeah. That's another thing that can kind of affect people who are TCKs. If you come from different cultures, like if you come from a culture where being incredibly pale is considered attractive, but then you have another Mm -hmm. part of your culture where it makes you, it seems like you're sickly if you look really pale, then you're getting Mm -hmm. just from your two cultures that you've grown up with two completely conflicting informations. And then it makes you wonder like, am I attractive within a certain culture? Am I not like, what is so interesting is that in uh, Japan, being plus-sized is not considered attractive. Um, most women yeah. are, in fact, very, very skinny. I could never find clothes that yes. I could fit in in Japan. But mm. foreigners are considered exotic. So if you are right, yeah. a foreigner, no matter your size, in general, Japanese people might find themselves interested in you at least from a sexual Mm -hmm. standpoint because you're not the norm you're exotic you're different so they might find you it's like it's for some it's like a fetish where it's like oh i only date foreigners and it's like oh that's kind of weird um (laughs) (laughs) but then within the states like there are so many conflicting stories when it comes to beauty norms and they change Mm. all the time i mean if you look at the 90s it was super super thin eyebrows for women were in and (laughs) then create like super like glittery eye makeup and lips mm-hmm. had to be very neutral. And then now people have like crazy eye makeup, nude lips, very like, mm-hmm. b- and then thin. But then also women who have a very big butt or a very like fit butt and then very large boobs are considered very attractive, but you have to have mm-hmm. a thin waist. Like it's things where it's like, it constantly changes. So it's very hard to keep up with yeah. it. But then at the same time, there's been such a huge movement in the U.S., especially from women, where it's like, we don't care about these. These are all manufactured by businesses. Yeah. We're just pretty as, like, we are attractive as we are. And so mm. it, 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 it's so strange where, like, culturally, you're getting all these different feeds of information where it's like, you are attractive or you're not attractive or you fit within mm-hmm. the beauty norm. You don't fit within the beauty norm. And then compound that with you're a TCK, you live in different countries, Yeah. then you're getting different, potentially conflicting information from living in another country. So that in itself is like, oh my gosh, it's so overwhelming. <laughs> yeah, but it, it's just bizarre. I mean, 
you never you're never going to really sort of like sort of you know you i think that's the thing is with this stuff you know you're never really 100 going to fit in which in a way has its own liberating properties but it does also have some downsides in the fact that other people probably find it difficult to understand why you don't fit in mm-hmm. they might think you're just being difficult or whatever and it's like no it's because you know i'm not really from here mm-hmm and that to them can be, again, with the accent thing, is it can be really difficult for them to compute. Mm-hmm. So you're sitting there going, well, I don't I don't see that as important. And they go, oh, but it is. It's like, no, it isn't. And they feel upset. And you're just like, well... Or they ask, and the one I really love is when people in Britain ask you a question and you're honest with your answer. And they go, well, oh, you've been really rude. And it's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it just, it doesn't make sense to me. What do you want me to do? Like, you know, like, I've found that this is the easiest way of getting things done. I just tell the truth. <laughs> And they go, oh, but I didn't like it. You said it in the wrong way. It's like, why? You asked me a question. I told you the truth. <laughs> and they sort of like, but I, I don't know if this is really a cultural thing, but I think the thing is it just reaches a point where you're just going, what are we talking about? This is what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, this, I, is, this is. I think that's a TCK thing when it comes to communication mm-hmm. and being very like upfront. I mean, I, I think that can change mm-hmm. and vary depending on where you live. But like, for example, you lived in Japan where people are very reluctant to say no or very yes, reluctant yes. to be upfront with things. But I think it comes just from the fact that at heart, TCKs want to be able to communicate. And I think yeah. sometimes that lends itself towards being either considered over communicative or blunt. And that's because we're mm-hmm. used to having to communicate in other cultures and make ourselves understood, which means that sometimes you yeah. just have to get to the point. You, you can't just yeah. faff about and try and, understand all these codes is like i just want you to understand what i need and get to that as fast mm. as possible yeah i mean that's the thing is you know certainly being in customer facing environments it does cause troubles now and again because you just go this is this is this this is this this is this and they go oh well i don't like that it's like well <laughs> like, what what do you want you know i'm not being rude to you i'm just telling you the truth <laughs> like you know, and, and I find it strange that people get very upset when you say, well, I think this. And you, go, you know, <laughs> and they just get like, oh, but I wanted I wanted this. You know, they need to be more talkative. They need to do this. And you're like, yeah, maybe. But I mean, at the same time, what do you want me to do? Like, you know, I'm giving you the information you need. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's just odd. It's just odd because... It, it's it's a kind of and again I think you know like within UK culture it's a very sort of thing about politeness and all that sort of stuff, but it does. But there's 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 also a kind of thing of like when somebody says no, they think that that means that there must be another way of doing it. Like oh well if I say this if if I say I will do this then maybe you'll do this it's like no I've just said no. Oh, but maybe that, no, I've just said no. <laughs> oh, but what if, no, I have just said no and I've explained myself three times now, so this is the point. I'm saying no, flat. That's it. Yep. There was a, there was somebody who came in the, the other week and she was trying to get a piercing and I said, I need to see some ID. I need to see some ID or something. And she said, yeah. So I was like, she's 16. And I was just like, right, so I know that these people are 16. So she showed me her ID and I looked at it and said, yeah, that's not your ID. Definitely not your ID. Said she was born in 1996. I'm like, kind of going, you're definitely not 16. And then it was, oh, but what if I do this? What if I do this? What if I do this? Like, no, it doesn't matter now because you've obviously lied to me. There's no, there's no negotiation anymore. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. I'm not doing the work for you. You've tried to, you've basically tried to trick me, and I'm just saying no. 
I don't, I don't trust you enough. You either come in with the document or you don't do it at all. You know, but the, there is a thing in Britain of like, there's a back door. There's always a way around this problem. It's like, no, not in this instance. The way around this problem is you cooperate with me. <laughs> you just go away. Unfortunately, that, that's that, how we that deal is with it. something that happens in the States too. The old tell someone no yeah, and they're like, yeah. oh, but if I do that, no, I said no, go away. Yeah. Have a good day. Bye. <laughs> Please leave now. Yeah. <laughs> you have been told in no uncertain terms that this is not happening. Oh God, it drives me nuts. Uh, anyway, that's identity. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh true. my gosh. Man, do we go on tangents. Um, but yeah, we yeah, did. Fun <laughs> so Ted, this was a part two of identity for us. Um, I had a <laughs> great time. <laughs> oh, I did as well. Oh, good. Um, but we will catch you next time. And I hope you have a yep. great rest of the day. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, if you want to find us, we are on Twitter at Passport N-E-C-E-S-S-1. We are also on YouTube, and you can find us anywhere where fine podcasts can be found. Um, through Anchor, that is our main platform, but you can also find us through Spotify, Apple Music, etc. Um, please feel free to leave us a comment, a review. We definitely appreciate those. They make us really happy uh, to see them. And feel free to um, send us questions via Twitter or any of the uh, formats that we're on. We have some really exciting episodes lined up in the future. Um, and hopefully we will have a Facebook group that will be up and running soon uh, where you can absolutely chat with other people who listen to the podcast or even ask us questions. Uh, so thank you so much again for listening and we can't wait to see you next time. Bye. <laughs>